So here we are for another um, podcast of the Adelaide Entrepreneur Club. And today we have Nicole. We first met Nicole on day 234 of our journey. And uh, Nicole's very, and a very interesting person. She's a gerontologist. Did I get that right? Yeah, gerontologist. Gerontologist, uh, which is in the area of aged care. Uh, Correct. Particular dementia. Yes. Right. Cool. And the other interesting thing about and a registered nurse and a registered nurse, and she's a and she works in the COVID outbreak at the moment. So, um, amazing lady, and uh, we were just very keen to come back today and just hear a bit more about her story. Um, you know what she's doing today and where does she see herself going in the future? So, uh, welcome you along, Nicole. Very much appreciated to have you. Thanks for having me. It's really nice to be here with you both again. I know we had a brief chat in the car park when I was on the way to one of my responses but it's nice to be able to be a bit more settled and have a good chat with you today no look we're looking forward to it so i thought we'd just start nicole with just a little bit about your background and how you got to to where you're doing what you're doing today well that's interesting i um i always wanted to help people i just knew from a very young age that um that caring for others was part of my my, my life course, I was raised by my grandparents when my mum and father had some issues, young parents, and they took me on and I lived with them in a state of beautiful chaos, I call it. I probably was a lot more wise beyond my years, but uh, didn't really complain because that's, that was my lot. I have lived in the country in um, Camden and they um, let me get a cat every week from the vet and then and they, I, I ate ice cream for breakfast, completely dysfunctional, and I was just happy, happy as Larry. Um, I got to a point where I, my grandfather was passing away and he was really keen to see me have a home and he organised a new family um, on his deathbed, rest in peace, and I went to live with some family in Canberra who were so delighted because they couldn't have children and... Um, I guess that set the tone for me, uh, wanting to take care of others. I'd, I'd had a lot of responsibility as a four-year-old, five-year-old, without really knowing that, that, that I was carrying probably more of a load than other people would. And my, my foster parents really taught me to stand down and be a kid again and put me through great schools and took me to the theatre and made me use a knife and fork for the first time. Um, and, you know, I was always a very positive child, always, always um, outgoing but I think that I just made the best of what I had and uh, went into the nursing industry. I started as a carer when I was 19 in the disability space and loved it. I uh, went travelling overseas and lived in London for a couple of years just to get my childhood out of my system and came back and enrolled straight into university and did my registered nursing degree, um, had a baby, wanted to work for Medicine Sans Frontier and save the world and um, look after children. And then um, having a baby changed that a little bit. So I went to become a paediatric nurse. I really thought I had a place in the world with paediatric nursing. And I went into that area and did my rotations and found that it was a little bit too confronting for me from, from, the, from the childhood that I had. I would stay um, up to you know, three hours every shift just holding babies that no one was coming to, to be with. And I found that it was probably too close to home to be around children that needed a bit more comfort because I was probably going to go to jail for stealing one. <laughs> so I went, I'm going to get out of here and, and go into the acute hospital setting. And, and, and then I fell into aged care because the hospital system does not suit 
parents, single parent. They don't really accommodate your shifts. It's They eat their young. Uh, you have to earn your stripes. And it was a really difficult space to be a single mum. Mm-hmm. So I dropped in on an old job of mine and they said, would you like to be the care manager of this aged care home? And I went, sure. Mm-hmm. And I went into this uh, industry, which is also disorganised chaos, which I was so familiar to me. You can chuck me anywhere that it's difficult and I'll work my way out. So I spent 10 years nurturing my management skills and I just loved it. I fell in love with the elderly. Uh, I, was, I inherited a 40-wing uh, dementia-specific unit and I just knew I found my calling. I knew them all by name. I knew I knew all the families. I gave them good deaths. I could never leave because I'd fall in love with the next group of people that would come along. And I just knew I had to advocate for the elders. I was 30 years old, uh, a young manager. People didn't take me seriously, so I told everyone I was 40 for about 10 years, just so I could, just so because I was so fresh faced but so keen to help. And when I turned 40, I was like, oh, it's okay. I've been I've been 40 for 10 years, so. I studied a master's in gerontology um, and I got a royal, a college with the Royal, um, royal, royal College of Nurses, but I had to drop that due to some family issues. I had to raise my sister's children for a little while. I, I let that go really quickly. I mean, family first. Mm-hmm. So I finally had a couple more babies and got around to finishing my degree and here I am as an um, activist. Um, I really think I need people, young people need to promote aged care as a dynamic fast-paced amazing industry and um i think there's a human rights violation in aged care and it's been here a long time and i think they need young strong voices any strong voices to really um change the trajectory of the um aged care space wonderful look so many interesting things in your in your in your story like (laughs) i know i can digress so many times i'm trying to stay i'm trying to stay on target dropping my phone if you just that, yeah, right. the, the stories you hear and it's, there's always seems to be a fork in the road. Like for you, it was um, going to your, your, your friend or whoever it was and, and get, getting into aged care. It was not a path mm. you, you even thought about going, but at a point in your life, there was this direction you could have easily said no to. Um, no. Yeah, you just, you just yeah, went down this, you come to a fork in the road and you took a particular path and, yeah, and it's led to, to what you do today. Well, it felt familiar. And although everyone's like, oh, you work in aged care. And I was like, yeah, and now I have nine to five hours and I'm respected and I can have a lunch break. The hospital system is not that um, great for nurses. So you're just a number there. And I felt like it was where I could do the most difference. Um, it really it really shined. I worked at one of the best ones in the ACT and it still wasn't that great if that makes sense. So it, yeah. Although it was the best it could be, we never had any unmets or sanctions. I just knew I, I had to add, I could never speak the truth about what the aged care sector looked like or I'd lose my job. Right. So it wasn't until I resigned from that role after my third baby and took on more study and started my own business. So I thought, Hey, I can talk about it now. I have my own company. No one's going to sue me. Like, so I started going on this path of social media activism I try to highlight, I'm trying to humanise aged care and healthcare. And I think that social media gives us the tools to really um, show people that they're emotional, that they're vulnerable, that we're all humans working together. And I think the aged care sector takes such a hit that I'm trying to push back or fight back in my own way. Um, so that led me to starting my own company. So I have a, a business called um, Community Cafe Health and Wellness 
and that is running cafes for people with dementia and four-year-olds from a local preschool where we where I where I partner people together um, the person with dementia and a four-year-old and get them to finish meaningful tasks not babies tasks meaningful mm-hmm. tasks and then it's not the person with dementia who they're helping the, the, the people with dementia are coming to life again and helping mm-hmm. the four-year-olds and and while I know that they had behaviours when I met them, and I don't believe in behaviours, by the way, I call them unmet needs. We're not listening to what they have to say. Um, they came to life. There's no one getting up, you know, and leaving the room. People that are normally aggressive are focused for that two hours. We have cake. I get guest guest speakers like musicians. I've got politicians to come in and do origami. I've had people from... Um, Korea come as a, as a way of looking at gerontologists from Korea joined me one day and we, we navigate the aged care space in a way that really shows that the community needs to come back into their lives, not the other way around. We can't mm-hmm. keep pushing them to the side. Mm-hmm. We have to bring them to the centre and, and rally around them and show that we need, I, I actually prefer the company of people with dementia to everybody else because they just live in the moment and they're just so beautiful and they they, the connection is just so, it's palpable. You know, every time I do a cafe, everyone walks away feeling like on a high from the volunteers to the carers and you're, you're modelling what person-centred yeah. care could look like. So I take little one, one and a half minute videos and I publish them on LinkedIn. I've got consents from everyone, don't worry. <laughs> and it, if I do it, if I do things in silence, nobody's going to be motivated to yeah. do better. So I have to kind of have that visibility and that's been going really well. It, it came to a halt with COVID. Um, I tried to do my comeback cafe on August 11, but I was um, asked to go to Victoria and help with the aged care crisis. So I've been back for two days from that three weeks um, as a uh, gerontologist, disaster nurse. I didn't even know that was a thing, but now it is um, as a humanitarian. And, and all I tried to do for that three weeks was use all my skill sets that I've learnt in my 43 years and bring them together to do the best I could. A um, bit of person-centred care in, the, in amongst a very difficult situation. So um, I'm very proud of being a person that works in the aged care space. It's my calling. I'm not going anywhere. Um, I hope to be that 80-year-old wearing, you know, hot pink sunnies and pushing the boundaries <laughs> and fishnet stockings on Instagram. Like, that's me. That's going to be me. Yeah, so, and we're all going to get there. We're, that's the, I, I guess the thing that people think about, they don't think about the future and we need to think about it because we're all going to, we're all going to get there. But we don't think it about it. We, no, we, we push it. we push it to the side yeah. like there's some magic pill. Don't worry, I've worked in the cosmetic surgery industry too and, and I I laughed when I went between cosmetic surgery into aged care because I was walking around going, oh, I could really do something on that person. Like, So, <laughs> you know, we keep, we keep trying to wind back the clock, but why can't we just be empowered in the bodies yeah. that we're in and all be together, whether you're 50 or 5 or 105, why do we exclude different groups and I think ageism works in two ways there's ageism to the young there's ageism to the gen z's there's ageism to the elderly and I want that to disappear and be like a beehive again I think we need to bring back I have a joke I'm trying to bring back the 1950s um but that's really what I'm trying to do is create caring communities where people can be one village again and which should, which has so many other health benefits for sure and, and we should be able to be because you just look at your own life and you know uh-huh. You know, when you're 20, 30, 40, 50 or 60, in your own mind, you don't feel like you've changed. No. You know, you look at you, because you, so from a thinking perspective, we should all be able to communicate. Mm. Right? We should all be able of to. Of course. Yeah. So uh, with your 
your um, cafes, were they fixed cafes or were they like pop-up cafes that you, that you organised? Um, I couldn't, I couldn't, look, I spent about $25,000 of my own money setting this up. And if I could have a space, I actually set it up and it went so rapidly. I thought I'll just piggyback off other people's um, aged care spaces. And I actually make no money from that. I actually top up my own business to keep it running. Um, and I'm hoping that one day after the work I do, I am actually about to start a dementia cottage with somebody in the ACT. So I have been, I have been partnering with people to do a permanent space because it's not financially uh, viable for me to keep doing this. I call myself a broke philanthropist. Um, if you didn't know what I was like, I have a shop to support my business, but I don't sell anything and I'm not a salesperson. I, I feel like I'm a salesperson for the elderly, but yep. I really, sorry, I keep dropping the phone guys. <laughs> I really find it hard to, um, to, to move into spaces. So where I'm going next with it is with someone that I, I get along with very well and we're just financially urged into that space and I'll make new connections with the local preschool. Um, yeah, so it's it's um, it's difficult to stay afloat in COVID as well. I, I just started to make it kind of out there as a consultant for the work I do. I teach person-centred care nationally and I've landed some great contracts and I thought, oh, this is finally working. And once again, that all that money goes back to the cafe. I don't take a wage. I've always had a job in the background to run my business or several contracts to start making viable money to even buy possibly my own cafe, which I would love, a permanent cafe where you could just sit there, have a beer with someone with dementia and it's completely <laughs> normal. You know, they, we don't, um, but it all, it all came crashing around me. I signed a contract on a Friday with the government. It was cancelled on Monday because the plane stopped. So right. I was on the precipice of being able to make some really good changes, um, which, I, which I look back with gratitude now because it allowed me to work for the company that I work for now doing um, a COVID emergency um, uh, assessments for in the aged care space. So I feel like everything happens for a reason and I'm just most, really grateful for the journey, definitely. to be honest. Most definitely. Everything happens for a reason and most of the time we just can't see ourselves, the outcome. Right? Well, we can't. We can't. None of us can see the future. So No, I can see it now, but I just hang on for the ride. I kind of like <laughs> the, I kind of like things to be unstable but I just work with what I've got but my absolute mission is to keep these cafes running um, once again I said they're not viable if anyone wants to copy my model I would literally not sue them I'm like here have my business plan like that I was a, I was about to publish a um, through my masters I was about to publish a model that people could actually and get it in a journal article so people could actually take that on and I've just um, gotten a little bit of sick of studying now during COVID I'm thinking I can't I can't study anymore so my focus is to is to finish what I'm doing now and, and continue to let the cafes um, come. But I can't have children inside nursing homes, so they kind of just stopped. Yeah. Um, and the risk, I mean, without the children, it's not the same. Yeah. It's just another activity. And I don't want something to be a ticker box. Oh, we've done something for the elderly again this fortnight. It's really has to be meaningful engagement using all the philosophies of Kitwood and all of the person-centred care, uh, rationale, evidence-based. So otherwise, it's just another thing. If you don't have passion and you don't have a driver, these things never take off. Yep. And, that's, so, and they're just the same things for anyone that does anything, you know. Yeah. You need, to, you, need to have a, you need to have a desire to, to do something which will force the change. So uh, awesome. That's up. what I'm trying to do, force yeah. change yeah. In, a, in a rapid way. <laughs> so, um, 
And yeah, I think well, people that meet me know you can feel that if people are doing things for the right reasons. And I think there's a lot of people from called backgrounds in aged care. And I thank them every day for looking after our elderly when Australians don't want to work in that space yeah. anymore. The pay is terrible. The conditions are horrendous. The ratios are not full. Workers coming from overseas are beautiful elders. And I think we need to really stop and think about and thank those that have taken up that um, taken up that role because nobody else is coming to do it. So Amazing. Well, thank you so much, um, Nicole. Like, much appreciated having you share. So just, to, I guess, to wrap it up, like what's, what's, on, what's something from your, your heart or something you'd like to share to, to people about, you know, where, you know, what you, what you think can help others? You know, what, what's, what's something you'd like to share? Oh, I don't know. I can, in context to age, aging or aged care right, or dementia anything, care. Anything that's important to you? I think, I think, I think I'd probably want people to know that you are, all of us are much more capable of what we um, realise. It's only ourselves and our imposter syndrome that holds us back. And I think we need to get to a point, I'm 43 now, I've always been quite confident, but I also get um, anxiety from time to time and think, am I good enough and what am I doing? And if you're not doing it, who is? So just go for it, you know? Even if you fail, fail greatly, get up and do it again. Because, you know, I love that poem, The Man in the Arena, if you're aware of it. I, I, I yes. send it a lot to my staff when they're on deployments. And, and I really think at least you're in the ones in the ring giving it a go, just yep. regardless of the noise or what people say about you. Just smash through those social boundaries and, and do it anyway because you only get one life and I think um, the whole point of our existence is to help as mother, as many other people. It literally comes back to you. The more you give out, the, the, more, you, the more you receive. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much, Nicole. It's very much. That's okay. I don't think I let you guys speak. I'm so sorry. I'm no, that's all right. No, it's, um, no it was just, um, just so good. Like, um, um, just a good short capture of your story and what you've gone through and, uh, and who you are, I guess. It's just always interesting here, um, you know, people's desire and, and making change in a completely different arena than most people are used to. Um, and it's a great... Yeah, story. yeah. Thank you. And I, and I think a lot of people have come from adverse childhoods that we don't know about. And I just also recommend, like, highlight to them that, you know, you're the ones that can make the most changes because once you've been through, you know, some disruption, you have a lot more empathy. And I think they're the ones that really can lead the way. So, you know, I think we need to put more effort into people that have, you know, we look down at people that might've had a rough start and it, it's gotta be, life's not perfect. It's perfectly imperfect. Yep. And I think we need to make um, the best of it. Uh, yeah. Really yeah. corral others to have confidence that have maybe gone through something similar that didn't yep. have the same support structures that I had. I think we need to really get in there and humanize. You're right there. Are you still there? It's yep. cutting out on you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cutting out, in and out a bit. Yeah. I'm like, where are you? Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're and, and can I just ask what, what day are you up to now? I know you saw me on two three four. Where are we up to now? Two sixty nine. Oh, so not long to go. Yeah. No, less yep. than 100 days. Yes. <laughs> and where, 
and and where do you see yourself going after this? You've met you've met a, you, I'm sure you've met 269 different people with different stories. Where do you see your both both of you heading after this year? Uh, it's been well, a lot of effort to both of you. So yeah, once this is done, we're going to go somewhere for a week. <laughs> And uh, Lovely. not do anything other than just think about what's next. Yeah. So I don't want to, I don't want to use time now to think about what's next. Mm. Um, you know, we've still got to get through this whole, um, you know, meeting people every day. But once we've done that, then we'll definitely just, you know, sit down and go, okay, what are we going to do next? Yeah. Um, we know what we're doing from a, um, a learning about um, a business perspective and I guess assets and developing that side of things, but about connecting with people is something we want to continue to do mm. in an intentional way. Right. We'll just have mm. to figure out what form we want to do that in. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's such great work. And I think once again, you're humanizing people connecting. And, and I think coronavirus has taught us a lot about what we might have forgotten to do. Yeah. Um, and if anything is good to come out of this, it would be that we're connecting again and that, that beehive can, can recommence that we used to have in the in the war days or the I don't, I don't know when it went maybe 1980 I think I just missed the cutoff for hanging out on the street in gangs and <laughs> you know not having any helicopter parents it was just survival so yeah. I think it'd yeah. be nice yeah. to see us all get back to those days in some way yeah, yeah that would be amazing yeah. Yeah. awesome thank you so much Nicole yes oh you're so welcome thank you for having me and um, right. it's been a pleasure being able to share a little bit of my story. <laughs> Um, yeah. No, much appreciated. Yeah, it is definitely, and it's an awesome story. Mm.